0: Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. So, like I said, open up to Psalm 73. Uh, we're gonna, we're not gonna stay there that long. We're gonna read some of, um, some of Psalm 73. Maybe all of it. I don't know. We'll see. But I guess if I were gonna topic what we're gonna give a topic to what we're gonna talk about today, I would call it the heart. And and what got me thinking about this was in my reading this week as I'm going through Psalms. Um, I read this verse in psalm psalm th- seventy three that got me started down this whole uh, path here, and that is verse verse one. So verse one, truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And um, that got me thinking, and, and I think a lot of us especially if we grew up in a, a Christian background or some sort of a biblical background have an idea of um, you know who has a clean heart how do you get a clean heart what no, what does that mean um, but you know so what I tend to do is oftentimes I'll kind of follow that word through the scriptures and look at the different contexts of where that word is placed and so that's kind of what we're gonna we're gonna look at today so we'll um, I think we'll read it and then, We'll pray, and then we'll read the psalm, and then we'll kind of get into what I want to cover. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I do thank you for this day, uh, the Shabbat, to be together, to hear from your word, to read it. I pray that you would just uh, apply it to our lives, and that we would go forth and live it out and be a light, and obey you, and uh, and serve you diligently, Father. I just thank you for all these things that you do and provide. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. So Psalm 73, verse 1 Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a Chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt, and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither. The waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, uh, Who doth know God? Who doth God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase their riches. Verily I, have, they, verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long, I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their either end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, and cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation, as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors? As a dream, when one awakes, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. And thou shalt give, uh, guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart, and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord, Yehovah, that I may declare all thy works. So you have this, this cool psalm. I just love it. Uh, and it starts out with, truly God is good to Israel, even such as are a clean heart. And so you have this comparison of Israel with those that are a clean heart. And then he goes into the wicked. And who are the wicked? And they basically, they have their success in this lifetime. Not that not that the righteous can't have success in this lifetime either. But that is where they, they get their fulfillment. Because uh, there is no um, uh, blessing in the afterlife for the wicked, for those who don't have a clean heart, and for those who who aren't a part of Israel. And so they. And, and so what he talks about in here is he he gets kind of down and depressed about looking at the world and the success and all these things and how he's trying to serve and obey God and walk in His ways. And it's just all going wrong, essentially. And that's oftentimes how it feels in this life. And it's easy to get down about that. But then he talks about about it, how in 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. And we're going to see some correlations with this idea of of cleanliness of heart, the commandments of God, the word of God, um, it purifying, giving us a new heart, and coming into the sanctuary of God as well. Because when you had the physical temple that was still on, on earth, the only way that you went up to the temple was you had to be, you had to be cleansed. Because if you had come into contact with any sort of death, like you had walked over a grave unknowingly or something like that, you couldn't come into the temple because it would pollute it because God is perfect, it has to remain a perfect, a clean place so that he can dwell in and amongst his people. And so he set up this whole system, not for him, but for us so that we could approach unto him. And really that, that picture on earth was a picture, as God told Moses, of what goes on in heaven. And how we can approach unto God in the heavens vis-a-vis sacrifice, basically, which is what Yeshua has done for us in His death, just like the Passover Lamb and some of what I talked about last week. And so, what? But what I want to focus, focus here is this idea of um, this this idea of the heart. That and and 26, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart my portion forever. So, okay. So, the, fir- the first things that we, I want us to kind of think about as we go through this is, one, we have an unclean or a wicked heart in our natural fallen state. We are all children of it, Adam, and because we are from his loins, we are born in a sinful and a wicked state. And only God can cleanse our heart. That's number two. Three, his word and commandments change and cleanse us. And for be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the washing of the water of the word. Okay, so so now we're going to go through a, a bunch of passages. So we have this idea of the clean heart. So, you know, I got thinking, who, who has a clean heart? What does it mean to have a clean heart? Because if we look in Jeremiah, and you can turn if you want. We're going to turn a lot. But if you go to ter- Jeremiah 17, 9, it says... The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, Yehovah, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitfully wicked. And who can know it? Desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And who can know it? A prominent thing in today's day and age is, well, I just follow my heart know or my heart guides me but the problem is it's like where where are you getting your own your your if you're just following whatever your heart tells you then you're basically a law unto yourself and the bible tells us that we are corrupt and we're wicked in a fallen state and so if we're just following the the guise of our heart it's going to be a little bit of good a little bit of bad a little bit of good a little bit of bad which is going to lead to destruction and so we find out that our heart is deceitfully wicked um David says, like we sang, sang in the song in Psalm 51.10, he says, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. That's in Psalm 51.10. V- before that, he says, he's talking about um, verse six. He says, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me no wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. So, this idea again of, this is something, to have a clean heart, it's something that God has to do, and that's something he does in us. So now, um, again, kind of, Tying into, if you go back to Genesis 6.15, one of the first places we see this idea of the heart mentioned, and it sets the premise for the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. In Genesis uh, six verse five, it says, And God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And so, God eventually, we find out, he brings the flood upon the earth and wipes everybody out except Noah and his family. And, like I've said in the past, this was a merciful thing that he did because if he had allowed it to go on, it would have, mankind would have basically annihilated himself slowly over time as they devoured each other. And so, he was merciful in that and not letting it go on. And so, then I want to go through here some of the other places that we see this. There's a myriad of places where the heart. Or the word for heart, which, uh, I'm sorry, um, a clean heart, and the word for clean, which can also be used, uh, said as pure, is used. And so, if we go to uh, Deuteronomy, and you guys all know this one, 6, 6. It's right after the Shema. <clears throat> and these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. So you're to love God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So basically, I'm going to postulate to you guys that to have a clean heart, we have to have God's word in our heart. Because just like the temple, if you can kind of picture this in your mind, it was those instructions that he told us what to do to be able to go to the temple that cleansed us to be able to come into the presence of God. Likewise, it is his word that cleanses our hearts, that we may one day be in the presence of God, that we may one day go to heaven, if you will. Because, and and again, this is it's all uh, it's all tied together because God is His Word, is Yeshua. It's in our heart; He gives us a new heart. Yeshua in us. You know, when the Bible uses all these terms, they're all kind of the same thing, and they're all basically connected it's kind of like, you know, in Western society today, when we learn about topics, somebody does a PowerPoint, right? You know, you're watching a professor or something, and they give you a nice little bulleted point-by-point list. Well, in ancient Hebraic Semitic culture, which is what the Bible is, shepherd life, they sat around the fire and they told stories of their past and their history. And that's why when you read the Bible, it's basically the story of a family, right? And what God has done in and through their lives and their family. And so, the truths are embedded in the lives and the pictures of what went on in the stories of these people all through all through history. And so um, it's not quite so succinct. So in other words, that's why we have to know God's word. We have to read it. We have to study it. and We have to burn it into our minds because then what happens is as situations arise, as we're out in our life, it'll pop into our head and be like, oh yeah, I remember that story of Gideon or Joshua or what Moses said or what Yeshua said and it'll pop into our, our mind. So, we are supposed to, uh, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, talk of them when they sit in thy house, blah, 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 blah. They're supposed to be embedded into the fabric of our lives because that will change our actions and change the course of our lives, but they first have to be in our heart. So we're going to keep going and, and hear about what all that means. So, Deuteronomy, I think we got some more here. 8, verse 2. And Thou shalt remember all the way which Jehovah thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Why? To humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or not, or no. So, and I find this verse so fascinating, you know, we all expect that, and, and, and often I think in uh, prosperity message Christianity, or whatever you want to call it, you know, these feel-good messages, not that we can't feel good, I feel like I'm always negative, but, you know, it's just going to be pixie dust, rainbows, and ponies, you know, if we follow and obey God. Well, sometimes God humbles you in the wilderness, and it says in another passage that he made them hunger and thirst, tested them to see whether he would they would obey him or not. And because, you know, if, if it's easy, everybody will do it, right? Follow God. But so he has to know and test what's in our heart because when the going gets tough and we come up against challenges, all of the pretenses and the masks and what we puff ourselves up to be all goes away. There's stories in the in the Holocaust when um, these communities were being eradicated and shipped off. That basically you had these stories of um, just amazing things that people did that was that were good and selfless, and they laid down their lives and all kinds of things. But then there were other stories that we don't get told as much. How people just went to their base. I hesitate to say animal type of nature, but just their, their base level of depraved humanity where they would sell out anybody and anyone around them to survive. And so what happened in times of adversity is it stripped away the comforts and who you could pretend to be and who was really inside in your heart came forth and came out. And so God with his people does the same thing. He humbles them. He tests them to know what's in their heart if they will really obey his commandments or not. Because if his word is in our heart, if Yeshua is in our heart, when adversity comes, that's what will come out. If it's not in there, who knows what will come out. Wicked, depraved things, right? Like we saw in Jeremiah. Okay, let's go to Deuteronomy 30. We're going to work all the way through up into the New Testament, so... Just bear with me. So Deuteronomy 31 through eight. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel right before they go into the land. Uh, Some of these things in here are prophetic, which are just awesome. Verse one, it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee. And thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither Yehovah thy God hath driven thee. That's kind of like us today. And shall return unto Yehovah thy God. So there's a change starting to happen. And shall obey his voice, keep his commandments, according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thy heart and with all thy soul, that then Yehovah thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whither Yehovah thy God hath scattered thee. And if any of thee be dry, driven out into the uttermost parts of heaven, from whence will Yehovah thy God gather thee, and from hence will he fetch thee. And Yehovah thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do, good, do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. And Yehovah thy God, this is a verse I wanted to get to, will circumcise thine heart, and the heart of thy seed, to love Yehovah thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. And Yehovah thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies, and upon them that hate thee and persecute thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of Yehovah and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. So this idea of, verse 6, God circumcising the heart in the heart of thy seed, to love Yehovah thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. So it's something that God does. And really, that's the picture of salvation, of being born again, of being created, a new creature, creature being grafted into the tree of Israel, producing new fruit, separating, which is what circumcision is, unclean, so that you can be clean and be able to do the job correctly and produce His fruit. It's doing something Different that is God's ways and His commandments, and so this idea of what happens in the physical in the males is transferred into the picture of the uh, hearts of God's people, where He takes uh, off the uh, circumcises the flesh of the heart to make a new heart with new desires to walk out, walk in His ways, and so they keep His commandments. All right, so now let's go get some from the prophets, and let's go to Ezekiel. I love the book of Ezekiel. It's so cool. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel eleven, e- Ezekiel eleven, fourteen. And we're going to read through 21. Again, the word of Jehovah came unto me, saying, Son of man, thy brethren, even thy brethren, the men of thy kindred and all the house of Israel, holy are they unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get you far from Jehovah Unto us is the land given in possession. Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Although I have cast thee far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, Yet I will be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. I love that verse. That's for another topic. Therefore say, another time, thus saith uh, the Lord Yehovah, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where ye have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel, and they shall come hither and shall take away all the detestable things and all the abominations thereof from hence. And I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them an heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for them whose heart walketh after the heart of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their own heads saith the Lord Yehovah. So prophetically there's this idea of when God gathers his people out of the nations he will collectively give them a new heart and a new spirit to walk in his ways. And that's part of the fulfillment of the Messianic kingdom. But it's started now with the gathering of the hearts of his people as we read back in Moses while they're still in in, uh, Deuteronomy, while they're still in captivity. And there's this Rebirth of his of his people of his nation as he gathers them back and when you think about it in practical sense you know what makes a nation a nation they recognize the king and they obey what the king says and then the kingdom is born again and and serves him so um, there was a point I wanted to uh oh and he says here that take away all the detestable things thereof and the abominations thereof from thence. It's not enough time to cover it today, um, but there's so many cool passages where it talks about the heart, and maybe we're going to get into it in here, but there's this whole idea that Ezekiel talks about is the idols of the heart and um, how it's an unclean thing. In other words, you're serving another god, be it your own ambitions another false religion, whatever, but you set up this, this idol in your heart, something that you put in place of serving God, his commandments and his ways, and so uh, he's going to destroy all that. The other thing it talks about here is taking the the stony heart out of, um, out of them, giving them a heart of flesh, that correlates with the idea of a hardened heart, and it goes all the way back to like Pharaoh, when God hardens Pharaoh's heart. In other words, he would not submit himself to God. And so oftentimes you'll read in the scriptures that God gives people what they want. Because if you really don't want to serve him, and you really don't want to obey him, eventually, just like parents, it's like, fine, you don't want to go at that? Go at it. You're going to have to learn what? The hard way, right? And so God does the same thing with people. If you will not submit to him eventually... He'll give you what you want to your own demise because he doesn't force anyone. All right, so let's keep going. Ezekiel 36. we got one more in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 20, or I'm sorry, 36, verse 25. Okay, 30, uh, Ezekiel 36, 25. Through, what are we going through? 28, uh, <clears throat> 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you? And you shall be clean from all your filthiness. And from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments. See the correlation with this new heart and a new um, uh, desire to obey God and to walk after his way. I mean, and we even say that that in today's vernacular where somebody makes a big decision change, and they say, well, you had to change your heart, you know? And everybody knows what that means. And it's the same thing. I believe all these concepts come out of the Bible. Um... Twenty, keep my judgment. So at twenty-eight, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And then it goes on, and lots of good stuff. We're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about that anymore. Okay, now let's see a contrast. Let's go to Acts seven. Mother Mark Luke John Acts. So. Um, this is Stephen's testimony as he's talking to the, um, the high priests and the elders because they had uh, taken him into court and eventually they stoned him. Famous passage. Most people know it. But what I want us to see here is what, what he says to these people who are the high priest and the leaders of the people. So what does that tell you? On the outside, they look like one thing. But on the inside, he says there's another thing. So they give the appearance of one thing, but what their actions, the fruit of what they produce, is in alignment with what's going on actually inside them, inside their heart, which is what he's going to call them out on. And they get really angry and they stone him. So verse 51, yeast of uh, Act 7:51, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have kept it not. Um, Read a little more. And when they heard these things, they were cut, to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. And then it goes on and eventually they, they, they stone him, but he calls them out and he says, you are stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart, meaning they're unclean in their heart. They have idols in their heart. They don't have a new, uh, a new heart from God, which, which would mean that they really are his people. He's saying, you are the wicked in the midst of the children of Israel who are tearing it all apart. And and God says he's going to wipe them out and destroy them. And he's comparing them with with the same uh, groups of people in the stories of the prophets that slayed the prophets because they didn't like what they were hearing because the prophets came to tell them, you're sinning, you're disobeying, you're not following and obeying God. And so, um, you know, they get pretty angry at that. (laughs) Okay, uh, Acts verse 8. So, uh, this is the story, to give you a little context, this is uh, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. So, 8, um, let's see, where do we want st- to start here? Uh, so, so this is an Ethiopian eunuch, and let's go to 29. 8:29 uh, uh, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. So you got this Ethiopian unit. He's reading the Bible. He's in the chariot. And Philip uh, ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And uh, the place of the scriptures which he read was this: He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened not he not. Opened he not his mouth? In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare this generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Yeshua. And as they went their way, they came unto certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believeth with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Yeshua Messiah is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot should stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and and he baptized him. And then when uh, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So, this idea of he hears the word, right? The seed is, is uh plant, is has to be, re- the soil, the heart, has to receive the seed, the word of God, to be able to then produce fruit, to have a change of life. So you have this Ethiopian eunuch, he hears the word, his heart is changed. Philip says, you have to believe, you have to accept the seed. And that believing then, produces a new creation, right, a new tree, a new fruit, a new desire, keep his commandments, and then when the wind and the waves blow, the tree still does the same thing because it's the same roots in the ground producing what God has designed it to, to uh, produce. Okay, uh, now let's go to 1 uh, John 1 <laughs> John chapter 3. Alright, 1 John 3, 19, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. And hereby, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Yeshua Messiah and love one another as he gave us commandment. and he's, uh, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. So what I want us to see all there is this this correlating of the heart and the commandments and obeying God and believing on God and his spirit dwelling within us, changing us, giving us a new heart, a new heart of flesh, thus that we have a new nature and uh, live a different different life. Okay, last one. Let's go to... Peter, First Peter one. Uh, uh, uh. First Peter one, eighteen through twenty-five. First Peter one, eighteen. Okay, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Messiah, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, Who who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls, and obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever." For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. It's just awesome. It basically sums it all up right there. And you see the, the attachment of the the of all flesh is grass, which goes back to our Psalm 73, where he's talking about the wicked and how they'll be cut down and wither as the grass of the field and all their works are as chaff and it's blown by the wind and it amounts to nothing. But those who believe on God with all their heart produce a different fruit, which is the word of God because his word endures forever. So let's, let's go back here. So, 18, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with incorruptible things, incorruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation re- received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Messiah, as the lamb without blemish and without spot. That's he's he's referring to uh, Passover, where, and I talked about this a little last week. When they came out of Egypt, they had to put the blood of the lamb upon the door, and it had to be a perfect, spotless lamb. And so they were. Uh, they were adopted, the payment of adoption, if you will, because Israel, my son, came out of Egypt. They were adopted into his family, entered into his household through the blood that was put on the door. And so just the same thing happens for us with Yeshua, his blood, who bought us. And um, he was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world. So God was just like in First John, or John verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, which was with God, the Word was God. Um, by whom you do believe in God and raise him up from the dead, gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. So he purifies, or 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit. So that's how our souls are purified, through obeying the truth, and that we love one another with a pure heart. 23, like I've been talking about, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, the word of God. Which liveth and abideth forever. So, our all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. So, hopefully, this has been somewhat coherent. You guys have gotten a little bit out of this. Um, And I just want to get back to our psalm here. Psalm 73 Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Another psalm, actually. Uh, 15, Psalm 15. Yehovah, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Approach unto his presence. In other words, he that walketh uprightly, worketh righteousness, speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach unto his neighbor. Speaks the truth in his heart. So hopefully that was somewhat coherent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day and for your word and the truth of it, that you do cleanse our hearts by the washing of the water of your word, and that we are changed to conform uh, into your image and uh, to be part of your people and your kingdom. And I just ask and pray that you would continually... uh, Help us to uh, be transformed and uh, by the renewing of our mind and the washing of the water of Your Word. Uh, and I just thank You for all these things. Give us a great rest of Shabbat and a good week coming up. And uh, I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.